and welcome to Find Your Business Voice, the podcast about growing your business through content brought to you by Lemon Quarters. Today's episode is part of a new series for the Nurture Network in collaboration with Startup Loans and its campaign, Take the Leap, Startup, Innovate and Thrive. Nurture Network is an initiative providing mentoring, networking and opportunities for UK-based female entrepreneurs and professionals. We're bringing you a series of conversations with inspiring women and their male allies, tailored to helping women to follow their ambitions, start up and grow businesses. Startup Loans gives personal loans and support to aspiring and early stage business owners from across the UK who might be struggling to access other forms of finance. With 40% of their loans going to women, Startup Loans has had a transformational impact on the lives of thousands of people, helping them to follow their ambition and be their own boss. Our next guest is Emma Early, the entrepreneur behind Pastiche Lisboa. We talked about dealing with misogyny, the power of funding and how to have confidence in your ideas. Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, And so listen, tell us about a little bit about Pastiche Lisboa. I want to hear all about the business story. Um, so we opened Pastis Lisboa in Glasgow in August of this year after what was basically a five-year journey, including one, one pandemic. Um, background to myself and my partner, Sebastian, who founded the, the business. I, I am the third generation of a family who have been in hospitality since the 1950s. Um, my parents okay. have been involved in food, restaurants, etc. And my brothers are both chefs. So I grew up in hospitality and we we learned about the business and were brought into talking about the business around the kitchen table growing up. And, you know, we were always very much part of, part of that. Um, food and hospitality has always been my first love although i branched off and did did other things in career wise in my 20s and 30s um sebastian cooked professionally uh, when he was studying and again he went into a completely different path but we we both really always wanted to do something in food as i say it was our our passion so we um we were first inspired by a business in Krakow, Sebastian's hometown in, in Poland. A small cafe mm. opened up there specialising solely in pastel de nata, um, the, the iconic Portuguese custard tart. Um, mm-hmm. It very quickly began to thrive in what is a, an extremely difficult patisserie market to get into. The Poles are crazy about their cakes. There's a lot of choice, really high quality, and the price is low in comparison to the to the UK. So the person who started this business came in with a product which was absolutely new in that market and priced significantly higher than other products, and it was a huge hit from day one. Um, so that really, apart amazing. from the product being amazing, that really got us thinking um, about comparisons with the with the British market, where there is familiarity with that product through you know travel and tourism. You can get them in the supermarket, it's okay, mass produced, but people are familiar with with the product. Um, but we hmm. very much believe also in doing one thing and doing it really, really well, and this fitted the bill for us. So we went to Lisbon. And over the course of a few visits, we literally tried every single place that 
produce push data that we could find. I mean, we, we ate enough to, to last us a lifetime. I'm so jealous. Until we found the one. So jealous. Yeah, yeah, it was hard work, you know, sacrifices you made. <laughs> um, when, we, when we found the ones that we thought were the best, we we basically got talking to the, the pastry chef who, who was behind them. And he agreed, mm. don't ask me why, but he agreed take us under his wing and and he was really enthusiastic about the you know what we were planning and he taught us yeah. how to make them we went back and forward and and worked with him um he gave us access to his recipe which has won national awards and awards in in lisbon as well um we took the Gosh. ingredients over from scotland and and worked in his production kitchen to make sure that we could completely replicate it um, and we basically mm-hmm. hold it down until we knew that we could produce exactly what you would receive in, in, in Lisbon. Um, and that's really the genesis of, of the business. Um, as I say, we started five years ago was our first trip to, to Lisbon. Uh, the, the pandemic obviously interrupted things, but once things were back to semi-normal at the beginning of last year, we just thought, you know, if we don't do this now, we never will. So we yeah. took the plunge. Um, eventually got all of the funding together with the thanks of you know thanks to the British Business Bank and their startup loans program launched in August and it's been a it's been a huge hit. So we are the first bakery in Scotland to specialise solely in Pastel Donata. Uh, we uh-huh. we make the product from scratch every single day. It is baked fresh all day, every day in our open glassed in bakery so the customers can see the whole process happening in front of them and we also have a small iberian deli which is our love letter to the food of spain and portugal which we we just absolutely adore so so yeah it's it's been a crazy year i'm a completely insane few months but the business is is doing great i can imagine and we're just we took the plunge so that's how it started well, congratulations. It sounds fantastic. And I'm looking forward to coming and, and tasting them myself. Um, but what would you say? I mean, it sounds like you've, you've been open for a while. What Have there been any standout mm-hmm. moments so far in the kind of journey? I know it sounds like um, there's been some challenges along the way. We'll speak about those in the moment. But what about yeah, kind of uh-huh. the standout moments for you so far? Okay, so the, well, I would say the positive standout moments where um, there was one in particular before we had even opened and that was the moment we found out that we had received the extra funding that we needed from um, the startup loans company it had been a really long journey to get to that point we had wasted months with high street banks um and it it just wasn't happening they they just weren't investing Mm. in in catering businesses at that point they considered them too much of a risk post-pandemic which is understandable um, so at the point at which we went to the startup loans organization, our business plan was very far advanced and had been honed by, you know, the processes we'd gone through with the banks as well. So I would say that we were probably more advanced at that point than, than a lot of other businesses who approached the mark. So the turnaround time from us going to them and hearing that we had got the money was two weeks, which is just insane. And um, mm. when we mm. heard from our advisor, um, said who had helped us through the process that we had the money, it was it was just incredible because we were so disheartened at that point. So that was mm. that was amazing, knowing that yeah, the belief that we had in ourselves was actually felt by other people as well. 
the next one was opening day. It was it was insane. We had um, we opened at ten o'clock. We thought this is going to be a slow start. We had a hundred tarts baked in in anticipation. Mm-hmm. They were gone in less than ten minutes, and we had completely sold out in three hours. And at that point, we thought, "How the hell are we going to get through the next few days?" Because if it was going to continue like that, we just did not have the bodies available to to produce what we needed to. So, you know, we had gone through months, in fact, years of trying to anticipate the worst case scenarios. And here we were hit with another problem, which we just had not seen coming. What do you do if you're more successful than you expect? So uh, we very quickly had to scale up. You know, we were looking for new staff within the first week of opening. And those first few weeks were just, I can't even really remember how we got through them but we did because the 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 demand didn't let up so you know there was a lot of catch-up to 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 do it was it was incredible but it was it was tough and something like that can become a major problem but we managed to get the staff on board and within a few weeks we were able to meet the demand all day long seven days a week and and that's where we are so that was crazy the response also i would say from particularly our Portuguese and Spanish customers, you know, having having Portuguese people come in and say these are at least as good, if not better, than ourselves and Natalie, we can get back home. That that wow. still makes us feel absolutely amazing every time. And um, a final one was when we were <laughs> told that the Portuguese Consul General, who's based in Manchester, had heard about us and he was coming up for an event in Glasgow, Glasgow University, and had contacted the organisers to ask him to arrange a visit so that he could he could come and check us out as well. So that was incredible welcoming him and uh, he was pretty impressed. So. Brilliant. Well, well done. Sounds like an incredible achievement. Um, and I, well, I suppose onto the challenges, I'm sure, I'm sure there are, there are many, but I mean, you spoke about funding there. Were there were there any other challenges apart from funding? Would you remember as it kind of that stick out in your mind? I think I suppose it's kind of related to funding. It was really getting people on board to the concept and to actually believe in what we were mm. trying to do. You know, the, all we heard throughout the whole process from people was, "Well, you're only making one product." that's just not going to work. How can you build a business on on one product? But we knew from the research that we had done that it was doable. So we had to really kind of dig deep for the self-belief ourselves because when people are constantly telling you this isn't going to work, this is going to work, you do start questioning um, Mm. whether you're you're just completely crazy or over-optimistic. But, you know, we, we, we stood firm. I mean, we were probably our own worst critics. We tried to find every potential hole in the concept, but our research kept telling us, no, this is going to work. So I guess that was a challenge, just getting the, the, the belief um, when we when we had obtained the funding, you know, we, we'd kind of broken through that. Um, other than that, I would say it was more internal challenges and it was about maintaining that self-belief and that confidence in our in ourselves um and and pushing forward against against the doubters you know the actual i mean starting mm. a business is it's hard work it's difficult it's stressful but there wasn't really anything else that, that stood out that was a problem it was more about getting people on board with the concept yeah absolutely do you think there's been any and i hope the answer is no do you think there's been any specific challenges um directed at you because you're a female founder 
Um, <clears throat> uh, well, I mean, apart from the usual misogyny, which is a depressing phrase in itself because, you know, the fact that we're still expecting misogyny as something, you know, that we have to deal with on a regular basis in this day and age is mm. it's just ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, I would say... Um, people addressing my partner, thinking that he's the boss, um, mm-hmm. being patronised by men in particular in, um, I don't know, in the various people we've come across from landlords to estate agents. I think certain industries are still quite misogynistic and um, dominated by men. Yeah. So really it was just when I was coming up against those um you know those sorts of, of people um yes but I mean I'm 53 I've been around the block a few times and I, I'm not really intimidated by that type of behavior any longer you know I don't really stand for it or suffer fools gladly I can stand up for myself um mm-hmm. but I, I think for me it was it was more about my own self-criticism and um the dreaded imposter syndrome and and just fear. I mean, I think I'm naturally quite an introverted person. You know, I tend to hang back and not push myself forward. But over the years, I've I've learned to to overcome that and just you know have growing confidence yeah. in myself. So I try to say yes to things that make me uncomfortable. I mean, this, for example, I'm quite out of my comfort zone doing doing this yeah. today. Um, but I, you know, I. I'd say yes because I, I like to push myself and try and break through these things that I, I find I find difficult. Um, going back to the British Business Bank and the Startup Loans Program, because our our business was pretty unique um, amongst those mm. that we funded last year, we were lucky enough to be asked to represent the Startup Loans Program as their ambassadors in Scotland um, for a year. So, you know, that gave me pause for thought, can I do this? Can I put myself out there? But what an amazing opportunity. I mean, how could I say no? So that really forced me to to push forward. And also being asked to do these things continues to give us confidence in what we've achieved and in what we want to achieve with, with Hush Days Lisboa. So, um, you know, I think for women, it's important to push past the fear, you know, I look back at opportunities that I've said no to in my younger days and thought, and what were you scared of? You know, in criticism or, or failure, forget it. Whatever age you are, just go for it. Just say yes, put yourself out there. Um, and it's amazing what, what can happen when you do take that step outside your comfort zone. Amazing. 100% agree with that. And um, I think that's some really nice advice. Um, I'm interested to know... You know, we talked about confidence a bit there. What, yeah. what was your previous job? Have you started a business before? I know it. You know, taking that leap is is incredibly nerve wracking when it comes to it. But I'm wondering what you've done in in your past. I have, yes. I mean, I I worked mainly in corporate event organising in my my twenties and into my thirties. But I I did a bit of a pivot in my early thirties. Um, and I went back to uni and did a degree in podiatry podiatric medicine and surgery and um, came out of that at the age of 40 um, into an NHS which was already cutting back significantly so that was back in 2009 so very quickly I decided to um, just go for it and 
founded a private practice, which was one of the first high street private practices in podiatry, in certainly in Glasgow, um, probably in Scotland as well at the time. <clears throat> and that was female-led. I did that with a, another um, woman I had, I had studied with. So we we started that from scratch with nothing. I mean, we, we literally used a credit card to buy a box of disposable instruments and we had enough money for um, rent on a room somewhere for three months. And that's how we started. By the time the instruments were finished, we had enough to put a deposit down on a steriliser and it grew from then, it grew organically. We never took on any funding. Probably did it the hard way, but um, I'm no longer involved in that business but it's still going strong in, in Glasgow and, uh, and doing very well. Um, mm. While I still involved in the, the foot clinic, <clears throat> Sebastian and I set up another business as a side hustle in 2015. We, we set up a business called Kira Scotland, and we specialise in um, traditionally tanned and handmade sheepskin products. So we work with two family tanneries in, in Poland, his home country as you know and they traditionally tan sheepskins from the UK Northern Europe from Poland for us and then hand make really beautiful slippers and other accessories and home decor items for us so as I say that was a kind of side thing let's see how this goes um, and it's just grown and grown and grown so that that business is still going we have our own e-commerce platform we have a, a really strong repeat customer basis and it effectively runs itself now so that allowed us to give up our, our other jobs in during the pandemic and um mm. and also i think gave us confidence to take on push days lisboa kira grew more than we expected faster than we expected again without outside funding um, and, it, and it was difficult but it did teach us a lot you know we learned a, a lot um in the process and yeah, that stood us in good step, step for first days Lisboa. As I say, ultimately, it always was going to be food for us. That's where we were heading for quite a while. So here we are. Yeah. Gosh, what a story. It sounds like you've definitely got the entrepreneurial streak anyway. <laughs> and what's, I mean, having started a number of businesses, what's your kind of takeaway on, on what is a good idea? How do people know if their idea is, is going to work, do you think? Well... You have to go with your gut first of all. I think I think you have to love what you're what you want to do, and you've got to you've got to have a lot of belief in it yourself. You you, you have to follow your gut, but you also have to do the research. I mean, there are no shortcuts to um, to producing a convincing business plan, a business plan that will convince you and and confirm your your gut feeling and your your belief. Um, but also give other people the confidence to invest in you and to get on board with you. So you've you've got to put the legwork in um, and research, research, research um, inside out, back to front. Um, there are loads of resources out there. Somewhere like Startup Loans is a great place to to start. But get online and and find all these resources about not just how to put a business plan together, but you know, there's all all sorts of demographic information you can you can find about your area. There's um, industry information that you can find. It's it's all out there. And um, just educate yourself about the sector and um, and go for it. You know, if you if you have if the evidence is there that unbalance is going to work, then go for it and don't be afraid of failure. 
I, I was brought up by my parents. I mean, they were a great example. We could see how hard it was to run your own businesses. Um, but they, they always encouraged us, use your brains, whatever you do, use your abilities and don't be afraid to fail because that is the biggest learning process that you can probably go through um, and, and just have confidence in yourself. And that was gender neutral. You know, they, they gave the same advice to myself and my sister as to my brothers. There was never any sense of yeah. differences in what you could achieve because you were male or whether you were, or you were female. Um, so um, I think that's where I got the entrepreneurial bug from. And it just seemed natural mm -hmm. to start your own business. I, I didn't really know anything else growing up. So that's kind of what's pushing me in that direction, I would say. Amazing. So um, get the evidence and go for it, says Emma. I think that's um, pretty solid advice. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I think it's going to be an inspiration to all of our listeners. And uh, hopefully we'll all be making our way to Glasgow for some natters very soon. <laughs> so I look forward to welcoming you. Thank you so much, Gabby. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to hear more about Emma and her business, visit her website, pushedutilisboa.co.uk. And to find out more about the support from Startup Loans, visit startuploans.co.uk. You can also find out more about the Nurture Network at lemonquarters.com. Email us at hello at lemonquarters or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter.